Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. This is your Newbury Saturday Racing Preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and today I'm joined by Andy Holding, Ed Quigley, and 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Stay tuned to hear which horse Barry Geraghty thought was the star from the Dublin Racing Festival. You couldn't take anything, any negative out of that when he was jumping. And what he did, I thought, was really impressive. Find out which outsider of the field Andy thinks should be a lot shorter. I think this is his ground and this is his track and this is the way the race is going to pan out. Um, could really suit him here. I certainly think he's the value of better six to one. There's no doubt. I think that's undeniable. Find out why Ed Quigley will be changing his name on Twitter. I want to get my long shot goggles on here, George, and find something. But I'm nice. actually, I'm, I'm going to change my Twitter handle to um, favourite underscore Ted. I think after today's <laughs> show. Um... And a couple of big fancies for Andy in the bumper, the lucky last. When we do get a good number race, they, they stand out, and by and large, you know the form usually st- st- stacks up well. Now, before we look ahead to the weekend's racing, well, Saturday's racing at Newbury and also have a quick look at Warwick as well. Uh, we cannot record a, a racing preview. We can't can't record a, record a racing podcast without having a look back at the Dublin Racing Festival because it is, this is always pretty indicative, Andy, of, of what's going to come at the Cheltenham Festival. I think in its own right, it is an incredible couple of weekends, couple of days of sport. But the manner in which some of these horses won, whether it was Fassel Vega, Sagarhard, Galapin de Champ, Honeysuckle, Chacon uh, Poissois bouncing back as well. No shortage of talking points. So, I mean, we've only got about 10, 15 minutes of Barry's time. He's a busy man. So, Andy, well, I'll start with you. But if we could all pick, I guess, one horse who we think was was the star of the show uh, and, and what that teaches us ahead of uh, Presby Park in a, in a month or so. Yeah, I, I got inundated with questions, texts, um, emails off punters wanting to know what each individual horse did yeah what did Fasal Vega do what did Blue Lord do what was Gallopan done like on the clock um and the standout performance of all those ones I mentioned just based on pure numbers was was Gallopan de Champ um it's very rare for um us time figure busting well particularly us who um do I've been doing them now for about 15, 20 years to get a novice running beyond 80 or any horse running beyond an 80 speed figure mm-hmm. in the national hunt wise. They they come along probably once or twice a season. Alaho clocked an 82 or recorded an 82 time figure uh, on our chart last last year at the Rhino, which is the standout. Honeysuckle was an 80 in the champion hurdle. That kind of gives you an indication of just what to expect from a, a top class national hunt uh, horse when he's he or she's at our absolute prime. And then along comes Galapanda Shom and does an 82 on his second start in a novice chase <laughs> um, at, at, the, uh, at the Dublin track last week. It was quite incredible, really. And I've actually put the two races up together as well. It was a great day to do kind of split times and, and circuit sectionals and comparisons um, like for like. So you got Shaq and Paul Swire over two miles and then you got Galapanda Shom. And you set them away on the first fence going down the back and, and stop it at the line. And they hit the line identically. They both run 325.8 from that point onwards to the line. Um, couldn't split them. So given that, obviously, Gallup on the show had already run the thick end of um, three quarters of a mile, um, and obviously he's a novice, it just shows you how fast he was going. Um, so without doubt, the... the the uh, the the reef goes round the neck of Gallop on the shop for me on a time <laughs> perspective, but I mean there was a whole host of them that that recorded really good times or above average times in in preparation for their their Cheltenham exploits. 
we might round back to you, Andy, in a second if the, if the other guys don't mention a couple of horses that I, I kind of tipped up at the top. But um, Ed, we'll come to you next. Lee, Lee Barry for, for last. Um, who is your star of the, of the weekend? Interesting. I mean, aesthetically, it was Fasal Vega, but in a different kind of way, I was most impressed with Sagerhard for the fact of mm. what he what he did wrong rather than what he did right, if that makes sense. Uh, he looked green. Uh, he still looks a little bit lit up and a bit keen in the early stages. His head was looking around. He, he didn't make terrible errors, but he, he made novice errors. Uh, he kind of bunny hopped one down the back straight, didn't he? Yet saying all that, they've trapped along. And he's absolutely spread-eagled the field. I mean, they've come home in different postcodes here. Uh, I mean, and they're not mugs in behind. You know, 140-odd mm. rated novice hurdlers are just dropping out the back of the television. I thought, well, crikey, if you could do that in spite of jumping that badly, then what's going to happen when he does click and puts in a clean round? You know, I always take the view, you know, you could teach a horse to jump. You can't teach a horse to have an engine. You think just with the experience, he will tidy up in the jumping side of things. And, uh yeah, I mean, I, I, interesting as well. He pretty much beat three-stripe life by the, the same distance he won the champion bumper by. So the kind of form resonates a little bit there, doesn't it? And I just thought it was really impressive. A lots of debate will probably still be talking about in three weeks as to where he goes. Uh, all in all, I, I'd be tempted. He's a flatbread with a lot of speed in his pedigree, and he doesn't look devoid of speed. I'd be tempted to stick to the two-mile route. Perhaps pe- people may feel in the heat of the supreme... Uh, his jumping may get found out, but uh, look, I, I, yeah, I just thought that was a really impressive performance for, to make as many errors as he did in grade one company and still win in that fashion. You've got to be a seriously good horse. And uh, yeah, I, I, I put it this way. If he went to the Supreme, I, I'd be backing him put it that way. It wouldn't be the odds checker betting show unless we, we did discuss the Supreme. Um, so Barry, before I ask you for your, <laughs> um, for, for your, you know, your, your pick of the bunch, let's quickly look at the market now because it's all changed again. Constitution Hill still <clears throat> at the top at, at nine to four. Dysart Dynamo and Sagarhard both four to one. The pair John Bond now eleven to two with Kilcrew and the rest fourteen to one or bigger. Barry, what does what your gut tell you on on whether or not Willie will split the two? Um, and how does Sagarhard's performance on the weekend where where does that pitch him in your view in the in the Supreme likely winners? Well, his performance was you couldn't take anything any negative out of that when he was jumping. And what he did, I thought, was really impressive. He destroyed a quality feed. My bet was he was 40 lengths back and um, having been second on a grade one on his previous start. So he, he annihilated a quality field. So I think he's a very good horse. But his jumping is a question mark. The second last was also bypass, which made life a little bit easier. And um, he hung left on his first run and he hung right on his second run. So I think there is maybe a small little issue with him. And that's a, for me, that's affecting his jumping. Um, but I do think he's a classy horse. Um, Cheltenham is a lot trickier track to ride than Leperstown, big flat track, hurdles coming at you in a straight line. Cheltenham, you're turning, you're jumping, you have downhill hurdles, uh, ridges on the approach to the two hurdles in the back straight. So he's a lot to contend with there. Um, so I think his jumping could be found out in the Supreme, whereas I think if he goes for the Ballymore, he, both the quality will be less, and I think he'd have more time to organise himself jumping. Um, and probably the interesting point in it all is that Willie last year, when he won this novice hurdle in Leopardstown, which appreciated, he confirmed him straight away for the Supreme. There's mm. no doubt about it. This time, he said he's a horse. He's very versatile. He's keeping his options open. So I'd imagine if um, Chibi Park might have their hearts set on the Supreme, but Willie might be working in the background maybe to sway them <laughs> towards the Ballymore. And it's the Ballymore for me is where I would have thought. Plus, you have Dyside Dynamore, who is a strong front runner, and you line up Sir Gerhard with him. So you don't want to be taking each other on 
And um, so I think it makes sense for the for the Mullins camp to split them and leave Dysart Dynamo because I don't think the step up and trip will suit his style of racing. Yeah, looking at the uh, Ballymore market, certainly Cigar had seen as the more likely um, to go. He's seven to two best price, but but is basically favourite for the Ballymore given a lot of firms now non run no bet as well. Uh, Dysart Dynamo. Um, I mean, they're kind of two to one the pair, um, but but with the firms who aren't NRNB, Dysart Dynamo a little bit bigger, suggesting you know, Cigar Hard is the likelier of the two to step up to two and a half miles uh, andy how do you see the the supreme market as it stands at the moment they call you supreme andy nothing to do with the race i know but <laughs> yeah this is very much in my wheelhouse uh, novice hurdles um spends so much time watching them and, and obviously you know calculating that the their performances via, via numbers um obviously it's not an exact science and horses can improve beyond what they've already done but as it stands at the moment we've still got constitution hill and dysart dynamo ahead of Sagerhard, but Sagerhard certainly threw his cap in the ring if Connections wanted to go down that route. Interestingly, his final circuit time was uh, much faster than uh, Honeysuckle. If you put the two again up side by side, he was faster, faster everywhere on the track than um, Henry de Bromhead's mare. And that's despite having to go wider or take a wider course at the second last. Um, jumping's obviously a little bit of an issue. He can't afford to miss a beat in the, in the Supreme if they were going to go down that route because, I mean, if Dysart Dynamo and, and um, Constitution Hill, they're so fast and they jump so accurately, they just won't they just won't miss a beat. And if he mm. clatters one or two here, then everywhere, that'll be it. Um, so I think they probably might have a long discussion and, and maybe go up towards two and a half miles. I actually think the second horse is crying out for two and a half miles as well. The horse that chased him home, he's he's got done for toe twice now over two. I think they're wasting that, just wasting a bullet running him in the Supreme. He needs to go up in trip if he's going to have um, aspirations of, win, of winning at the festival. And I think if Three Strike White was to go in for the Ballymore, he'd be an interesting um, contender uh, in what definitely looks the weaker division of the two. But, um, you know, we, we can't forget how good Constitution Hill and Dysart Dynamo have been on the, on the clock already. It's easy to get carried away with recency bias, isn't it? Mm. Like, oh, everyone's lo- like looking at Sagerhard, but... You have to remember what Constitution Hill has done and the turn of foot that he showed in his two races. And I actually think he'll be better, even better in a championship race. So he still remains my number one choice over Dysart Dynamo um, and, and the other two I mentioned, Sir, Sir Gerard and, and John Bomb. All right, let's move on now. And Barry, you've got a few star performers to choose between, of course, Jacques and Poissois. One of those uh, conflated, of course, the surprise winner of the Irish Gold Cup. Vauban as well, very, very impressive too. Barry, who is your star of of, Dublin, of the Dublin Racing Festival? Yeah, well, I think the bias have, have mopped up two, two already. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's the Willie Mullins show again. Uh, now, Fasal Vega, I thought really impressive. Obviously, Kid Cross put in a big performance in this race last year, but... There was a bit of a pace collapse having when they went so quick, but this horse won like a class operator and travelled really well, settled nicely. He seems very straightforward, very professional, but quickened away from a quality field. He had, um, it's what unites us, but 20 lengths behind him, and he's a smart bumper winner in his previous start. Um, I just And he destroyed him. He went to the line very strong. So he would be the one for me, but I would agree with both advice um, on their selections as well. Um, Galvin, the Champ, and Sir Gerhard, two, two very classy horses. And before we look ahead to Warwick, just a quick word, Andy. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of the other, um, you know, certainly Shaq and Poissois we'll talk about a lot in the in the coming weeks. But just wanted to mention Vauban as well, because, um, yep. you know, the the market certainly was, was speaking in favour of Fidor, but Vauban was very impressive. Looking now at the 
Triumph Market, we've got Pied Piper and Boban, both nine to four joint favourites. Uh, what did the clock tell you about that performance? Well, first and foremost, there's no doubt in my mind that the Spring Juvenile Hurdle is the key form line to the Triumph, and it has been probably for the last decade, hasn't it? I think there's been six individual winners that will come out of that uh, Dublin Racing Festival, not Dublin Racing Festival, but that meeting is in particular. Mm. Obviously, it's now known as the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, and Vulban was exceptionally good on the clock. Um, he, he posted a, a 71 time figure, which only our Connor has got anywhere near in the last decade. Um, and it looked a strong race. Didn't it? All the best horses were in there, other than Pied Piper, of course, who um, threw his hat in the ring at Cheltenham the week before. But you know, beating Phil Dore, the anti-post favourite, who had looked really good, albeit not quite on the clock. I think he was probably found out by a better horse who had a bit more scope. And the third horse is obviously not highly regarded. So is Icar Prince. You know, ben Seagal was, was, was talked about as a, as a possible um, triumph outsider, and he absolutely battered them. Mm. Um, and he probably would have beaten Pied Piper. I think that's the, that's the general consensus first time up at Punchestown. Obviously, it was his first day at school. He got not the clearest of runs into the last. It was a bit of a, I suppose, a hatchet job by, by Davy Russell. <laughs> he, saw his, he saw a turning corner at the inside and said, um, thank you very much. He's very much going back to the dark arts of race riding there. Um, and you know, albeit Pied Piper was good the weekend, he's still got no, he's still got a huge amount to find with Vorban, just strictly on the numbers. We got 71 Vorban, 64 Pied Piper. There's still a huge amount of ground for uh, Pied Piper to make up. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'd be very much in the Vorban camp. Once a jockey, always a jockey, eh, Barry? You couldn't help yourself having a little giggle there about Andy's comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a couple more. Ed, I'm just going to ask you quickly about, about, about Honeysuckle um, mm. and that performance because uh, very impressive visually. Um, you know, we've had the news and since that performance that Sharjah, one of the, mm. you know, the horse that probably would have gone off second or third favourite behind um, Honeysuckle for the champion hurdle won't travel to Cheltenham. I mean, is is this, I mean, it's the 10th of February. Are we already, are we already talking about champion hurdle procession? No, it would appear that way, wouldn't it? I mean, you're taking two, twos on now. She stays fit and jumps the 12 flights of hurdles, or however many there are on the day, aren't you, really? I mean, she's beating the same horses in Ireland, beating them convincingly. Wonderful man, never lost a race. There's nothing this side of the water that's suddenly sprouting wings and coming out of the pack. Uh, pretty much you're looking at Epiton, aren't you, from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. who on the figures and official ratings has kind of got to get improve £10 to where she was two years ago and then probably go up again another level to beat Honeysuckle and of course was has been put in her place by Honeysuckle before. All in all, it's a convoluted way of saying, yeah, it, it, bar some kind of stupid accident, she should win, shouldn't you? I, I mean, it's hard to make a case why she won't win, uh, you know, especially when you get these odds on favourites. I like to get really pedantic and say, well, if so and that and that and there could be a reason here. But if you're, you know, you're box ticking 20 things, you're, you're ticking all 20 at the moment, aren't you really? And yeah, the opposition dropping like flies, aren't they? Charge around, Abacadabras is out. And I think we're only left with, what, about 14 a month beforehand. It's going to be a six, seven runner race. And yeah, she should stand up and should win. But then, you know, we've all been here before. But yeah, uh, but bar something crazy, it, it does look a formality. And uh, Barry, just a quick word on, on Chuck and Poissoir returning to Ireland, returning to form. Uh, what part does he have to play in the champion chase? Yeah, he was good. He was impressive, but I suppose he didn't have much to beat. Grenatine would have underperformed, but I think he's a better horse than Grenatine anyway. And Dunvegan, who's second, has been winning in handicaps. He is a, he's a good horse, but it was a good performance by Shaq and And you would imagine he he would be third to Shishkin and an argument. I don't see him getting any closer unless one of those underperforms. So 
good performance and obviously he needs to put in a performance in England as well which he hasn't done to date but um, no it, it, it showed his well-being but I, I don't think he's good enough to trouble the top two. Right, let's get into Saturday's racing. And Barry, before we say farewell to you, we're going to look at the Kingmaker at Warwick and then I'll go through the Newbury card with Andy and with Ed. Uh, four run in the uh, in the Kingmaker, the novice chase over two miles should be indicative of what we can expect in the Arkle uh, in just over four weeks' time. And Edward Stone, who is joint favourite for the Arkle, is the 11-10 to 10 favourite here, ahead of third time lucky at 9-4. to four. Uh, Brave Siska is five to one, and for pleasure twenty to one. Barry, given this is the final race, we'll be previewing with you. I'll give you first run. Um, I think third time lucky is the one to beat here. Um, obviously, change of tactics in the Henry VIII last time that didn't work out. He didn't jump as well. He ran a bit keen. Uh, very impressive in Doncaster last time. Had to do your job right. Thirty lengths behind him there, whereas Edward Stone had him ten lengths behind him in in Sandown. So. Um, I think they'll revert back to their way of riding him previously. For pleasure, will make the running. Edwardson will follow him. Um, I don't think Brave Seska is good enough for them, but he'll be there with them, obviously. But I see third time lucky follow around. If he jumps the way he did in Doncaster, travels and shows that pace again, I think he's the one to beat. Third time lucky, the one to beat for Barry there. Uh, Ed, how do you see this? Yeah, I'm in agreement with Barry here. I think this is very much in kind of third time Lucky's court, if you like, in the sense that, I've, OK, he's officially got six pounds to find and he, he flopped it Sandown, didn't he? But, but that was his third run in five and a half weeks or something, I think, by the time he went into the Henry, uh, the Henry, the, the grade one novice chase at Sandown. I think uh, a kind of a busy campaign and soft ground caught up with him there. It all kind of backfired. Uh, dotted up last time out, nice little school round at Doncaster and I do think uh, I mean we should touch upon the ground at the time of recording it's good to soft good in places with two days of sunny dry weather forecast at Warwick it's going to be more or less good ground I just wonder with Edward Stone he does like to get his toe in it was very soft when he won at Kempton again at Sandown when he won uh, you know the rains had arrived and if you look back at somebody's fall previously I think it was day at market raise and they were nearly going to abandon the meeting and he just sluiced through the mud I just wonder I think third time lucky is a bit of the, the quicker horse for one of a better phrase I think this is a kind of nippy track uh, Warwick and uh, on good ground I think it just to me I'd be swaying towards him in in in, in this kind of conditions the interesting one is Brave Shaska very much quickly want to touch upon George because mm. Phoenicia Williams was kind of pushed of this horse after he absolutely bolted up over course of distance last time out and I think he's around the favourite for the Grand Annual and uh, whoever was interviewing at the time tried to get an answer out of Venetia what they're going to do and you kind of say well look the, the Grand Annual off 145 looks a really tempted prospect but he is in the Arkle so interesting here they're kind of tilted at windmills I wonder whether they're going to throw the hat in the ring because naturally if uh, he, he could ruffle up Edward Stone, who's the three to one favourite for the Arkle. Then I suppose connections will feel they're justified to then go and have a tilt at the race at Presbury Park next month. Which, face it, looking at the Arkle, it's, it's going to be a six or seven runner affair, isn't it? So uh, I think it's a fact finding mission for Brave Siaska, I put it that way. But I, I'd be um, on balance, uh, Edward Stone round even money, I'd be taking him on with third time lucky. Third time lucky, the one for Ed. So that's one, two. Is it three, Andy? Uh, no, I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm against third time lucky. Um, I do think flat tracks very much key to him. I don't think Cheltenham necessarily suits him. Um, he's run okay at Cheltenham, but his numbers haven't been that good, and he hasn't really come up the hill all that strongly. Those early season races where he was dominating and bullying small fields, I think were a little bit of a red herring, and a lot of people got carried away. But he's he's basically his four time figures over fences so far been 61, 62, 68, 68. So he's very much a horse that we can we can sort of judge by based on those numbers he's yet to do a figure yet 
Um, whereas the other two have been producing much better speed figures in better races. Edward Stone, 72, 76, 73. So he's been running at a totally different speed, a totally higher echelon of uh, uh, horse and just a different kind of level than, than third time lucky. But the fly in the Yorkman is definitely his brave Shiska. He's gone 64, 72, 76. He's fastest ever times bigger. Came here last time out when he beat um, that good horse of John Joe's uh, Sky, Sky Pirate. Now, Pirate. Obviously, he was receiving weight. You know, which you'd, you'd have to factor that in. I think he carried 10, 6 and, and Sky Pirate 11, 12. So he's entitled to do what he did. But he's a fantastic operator over his fences. Um, I haven't seen a novice jump as well as him this season. I think I actually think Lon Press, <laughs> the other Venetia Williams horse, is, mm. is equally as good in and out and over an obstacle really quickly. Saves ground, saves energy. I think that's an important point to make. Um, and I think this race will be run probably to suit him because they're going to go very quick. For pleasure, will definitely go off in, in front like he did last time at, uh, at Doncaster, setting it up for third time lucky. But I do think he'll play into the hands of uh, Brave Siska, uh, who I think will follow him through in second and the other two will be in behind. So arguably, I think he might just get first run here, and he's a very strong star at the trip based on our figures. So I think he could be hugely underestimated. Brasiska, he'd be he'd be the one for me. Brasiska five to one for this one, uh, best price as it stands. And Andy, looking ahead at the Arkle market as well, as I mentioned, Edward Stone three to one joint favourite with Blue Lord, who of course won on Saturday. Riviera Tell nine to two. Brasiska down at sixteen to one. How do you think these? Well, how do you think this race stacks up with the form of the race we saw on Saturday? Um, don't think it's anywhere near as good as the um, the Irish Irish I, I still maintain that 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 was that was the best race that had the best collection of horses in there. Shame Fernie Hollow didn't go, but the Fernie Hollow sort of um, Riviere de Tell form line of the previous race, I still think is the best. Riviere de Tell represented that in the Irish Arkle, and to my eyes, would have won. Not comfortably. I think she would have been workmanlike more than anything else, but I think she would have won by that mistake at the last where she mm. just lurched at it, obviously pitched on landing, lost a lot of momentum, got going again. And if you sort of like, if you add on an extra another 20 yards of that race, it, it would, she would have beaten Blue Lord. I can't believe how Blue Lord is still favourite. I mean, I'd have mm. Riviera to tell favourite. I don't know why she's 92. I, she's still the, the quickest two miler that we've got. I mean, she's light years ahead of the others and on, on the numbers, and she would have proven that the other day. I'd Things not gone quite so right the last. So I'm still with Gordon Elliott. Me, I think she's uh, she's the best I've seen so far. Barry, just before we let you go, who's your pick for the for the article then, uh, Andy with Riviera de Tell? Yeah, do you know who's interesting to me was Saint Sam. Went very quick. He didn't jump brilliantly early on, but he jumped really well first time at various. Jumped well through the middle part of the race and just caught the second last. But was still staying on again at the death. Yeah, um, yeah. he's there at a fancy price. Now he's had a hood in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Hood fitted back on him. He wasn't as keen in Ferrier's first time as he was in Leopardstown. So I think if he settled better with a Hood in the Arkle um, and jump better too as a result, I think he's a big shot in what's a very open race. Yeah, St. Sam 12 to 1 as it stands now. Thank you very much to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty as ever for taking the time to talk to us on the Odds Checker betting show. Barry, we'll catch up again next week. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Barry. Cheers, Barry. Right, we've said goodbye there to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty taking the total winners ridden by this podcast from 1,920 to zero, which is a bit of a shame. But Andy, I can see you racing in the charity race in a couple of years somewhere, I hope. would be. Uh, that's the, the fitness regime is all about that, isn't it? Yeah, it's still going well. Yeah, the knees are standing up to it. Um, give myself a week off next week because I'm, I'm away, but um, I'll be back on it before Cheltenham, don't worry. 
How's your shoulder? Yeah, still struggling a bit. It's not as half as bad as it was. I literally could not have done that show last week. I know it was a shoulder. You think, well, I've got to talk and look at a camera, but I was in bits. Um, literally, didn't matter which way I moved it. It was I was struggling, but um, I had some physiotherapy um, on the on the very same day in the afternoon, and yeah, it it, it, it cleared up so I could at least uh, stop wincing anyway. <laughs> Well, I know, I know that you didn't listen to the the show that you missed, Andy, because if you had, you'd have definitely sent me a text because I might have mentioned that you 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 typed up your column one-handed, which I thought you did anyway, given your age, which I thought you might have reacted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got one of those old-fashioned typewriters. <laughs> Hit the hammer. Uh, let's get into. I mean, we're we're about half an hour in here, and we, we haven't even got onto the main event. So let's talk about Newbury, and uh, we'll get straight into the racing. The 115 at Newbury is the first race we're going to cover in this seven race card, and Brave Man's Game is the four to five favourite in this uh, handicap chase. Uh, Pat's Fancy five to one, Grumpy Charlie five to one, Fernhill twelve to one, uh, Ik Brunel and Galley Hill both twenty two to one. Ed. Yeah, funny one, isn't it? I mean, Brave Man's Game obviously has to give away a lot of weight. Paul Nichols was talking about the fact back in the day, uh, this used to be a level weights contest and Denman ran in it on route to the festival. It's not, it's a limited handicap, obviously 11-8 for Brave Man's Game and then kind of 10 6 and downwards the others. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, was he a shade of odds on here? It becomes interesting this merely because of the the malaise of the Paul Nichols team, isn't there? The, a lot of his horses been well documented, aren't firing. He himself has announced, you know, he's becoming a little bit of a worry uh, given his, his strike rate since Christmas. Obviously, the, the yard had the, the flu jabs and they normally take a little while to come out of that. But it does seem prolonged. I mean, his horses in Ireland ran deplorably. He had a few, you know, during the, the last weekend that didn't run, just didn't fire at all, barely lifted a leg. And uh, it's interesting, I, I was just listening to Paul saying about the random blood tests, their um, potassium levels they're investigating. They had an issue with the hay when something similar like this happened seven years ago and they've got it, they're testing all the hay. So there's, there's clearly something, uh, but all the kind of tests on the horses themselves are coming back clear and they're just not running their races. So, yeah, a bit of a head scratcher for Nicole. So, on that kind of note, I mean, yeah, I think Brave Man's game, clearly we all know how good he is, but uh, I, I could be taking uh, short prices about any of the Nichols runners at the moment, just so they kind of come out of this slump, if you like. And uh, Pat's Fancy would be my tentative selection in here. I'll back this horse for the National Hunt Chase uh, at, at the festival. Um, Rebecca Curtis, individual, she's been going from strength to strength, but really good at Chepstow last time out. A really impressive performance, absolutely thumped Imperial Alcazar. Of course, that mm. horse came out under top weight at Cheltenham and, and actually spread eagled the field in a, in a really good uh, race on trials day. So, yeah, I think around five, five to one, eleven to two there or thereabouts be my tentative selection. Just because, just don't have a handle at the moment, George, on what a lot of these Paul Nichols runners are doing. I mean, was it two winners in three weeks? Um, mm. You know, it, it is is a worry, and it's not just a case that horses aren't winning. There's a lot of horses who are just running so bad to be true and and the trainer's aware of it yeah I, I can't see how you can get involved in odds on for this assignment so yeah pat's fancy for me really well bred sort will stay and um yeah i, I yeah really like like his chances Ed's fancy is Pat's fancy in the five as uh, five to one in the first at newbury uh, and the brave man's game one to take on according to ed uh, do you agree yeah, I agree with a lot what uh, Ed uh, said there. Talks a lot of sense about the Nichols stable, which has been well documented. I think it's been a bit of a get-rich-quick scheme, hasn't it? Laying a lot of the uh, Paul Nichols horses mm. in the last fortnight. Of course, until you came across Dolos last week, <laughs> if you were just doing it pound for pound, you think, oh, this is easy money. Let's let's just lay this one at 14, 15 on the machine. And then it goes and pops up. You're thinking, oh, typical um, um, Sod's law look, isn't it? Or the law of Sod, as they call it. 
Um, but by and large, yeah, there's, they've been under a bit of a cloud. So you've got to be a brave man, haven't you? Literally, it's is a brave man's game. Um, taking eight to eleven about any Nichols horses, um, horses at the moment, even though he's he is a top, you know, he's a top class horse. I think he's second or third favourite for the Brown Advisory. He's a proper Grade One horse. It's a bit of an odd move in many respects for him to run in a handicap. This is almost like a throwback to Denman days, isn't it? Mm. Um, giving lumps away to away. Um, my only thing with Pat's fancy, and I, I've got a huge amount of time for the horse, as exactly the same as what Ed's already reiterated to. The fact that he beat such a good field last time out, good time figure. But again, the, the Rebecca Curtis's horse is not exactly like pulling up any trees either. Wayfinder ran quite well the other day. Chepstow, that was a, a little bit of a, a, a better from one of their inmates. But, but generally speaking, again, that's another yard that he's, hasn't yeah, been fired for, yeah. for a long, long time. I do think this horse is a soft ground horse. If I could get a bet on this horse now for next year's Welsh National, hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd probably be all over him because he, he's got that race literally rubber stamped all over him. Yeah. Um, would he want softer ground as well? I think he could do with a drop of rain. So I, I, th- I think Ed's on the right horse, but not probably necessarily under these conditions with, a, with that yard not so, not so good. So you're not really left with a great deal. You're looking at Grumpy Charlie and, and Fernhill who fought out a finish of a have a reasonable novices chase here last time out, but nothing sensational on the numbers. So it's a race I'm really struggling to get a real grip with. I'd love to be with Pat, Pat, Pat's fancy because I think he's the only one on ability um, and form that I think can beat Brave Man's game under these conditions, under um, you know these weights as it were. But I've just mm. got a sneaky feeling with the yard and the conditions, it's it, 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 it might it might not necessarily pull it off. It's a very, very rare no bet race for Andy Holden. It's a very, very no, yeah. It's a I can't even come up with anything funky. <laughs> yeah, it's just just a final point. I mean, Andy does make a good point. Yeah, I mean, Rebecca Curtis hasn't had a winner in February. Yeah, he's mm. spot on with that. But also, the comments from her is this is very much this is to get him right for the National Hunt Chase, which is you know somebody you've got to factor in. He's probably going to be eighty percent for today. But I, I just thought. If you take just on the assumption Rayman's game for whatever reason under the malaise runs an absolute stinker, uh, he's the one or she's jumping off the page. Or I think it's got to be better than one four three. I, I totally take on board Andy's comments. Whether to today is the day or not, we don't know. But uh, all in all, I, I'm I'm on the ver- on the verge of no bet here. It's a head scratcher. I'm just keen at the prices. Uh, nothing against the horse. I think Rayman's game is absolute cracking individual. Go well at the festival with the yard back, but just at the prices with the yard form, you've got to take him on with something essentially. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Five to one, Pat's fancy. The one for Ed. Uh, the 150 now, the second race on the card, the handicap hurdle over three miles and the brim, the brimming water is the three to one favourite ahead of Polish at seven to two. Risk and roll, five to one. What's up with you? Six to one, Cur de Lyon and the big breakaway, both nine to one. Sussex Ranger, 14 to one. Butler's Brief, 33 to one. And pretty rare this happens Skanderberg who is right at the bottom of the betting an absolute sea of blue on odds checker at the moment 33 to 1 still best price just about around but as short as 16 to 1 in places as well written by Paige Fuller Andy come to you first here yeah I think on balance the Brimming Water's probably got the most natural ability of this field um he beat unexpected party didn't he at Weatherby over the Christmas period I think it was a race that probably Harry Skelton Wished he could have ridden again, having made a bad mistake at the last one cruising. But to be fair to the Brimming Water, he outran him on the running. He was there for a very well-backed horse next time out at Haydock, off what looked a fairly lenient mark, given what unexpected party uh, uh, has done subsequently. And I think he's a big fancy for the 
for the Coral Cup, the, Coral Cup, the Skeleton Horse. So we're talking in that kind of um, uh, bracket with him. It's just whether he gets a trip or not, I suppose. I suppose if he's going to get it, it'll be over three miles on good ground rather than the, you know, the mud bath that it was last time at Haydock, which I think just sucked the guts out of him. Mm. But he's a strong traveller. And I think he'd be ridden with tons of confidence by Sam Twiston Davis. So you could see him coming out at the second last. And you could also see um, James Evans's horse going well here, risk and roll. I, I put up um, the horse that this, this fella beat last time out at um, Huntingdon, a mare called uh, Gazette Bourgeois, who's won very easily the time before Hereford beating a subsequent win. And they were 27 lengths back to the third. And the time figure was good. So I was really onto that Gazette Bourgeois. It was heavily backed in the market. And I could not believe my eyes when this thing went by at turning five. And I kept thinking, oh, this will stop. It's a 33 to one pack. Now this will definitely come back. And he, didn't he just kept going further, further clear? And it did it on the bridle as well. So, you know, seeing his believing kind of thing, you know, if it, as I say, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and cracks like one, it usually it's a is tiger. One. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably give that another go. I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that he's probably slightly better going right handed than he is left handed. Um, but he has won at Stratford, so that kind of like it evens, it, evens it up a little bit. But yeah, all in all, a, a race between those two, as I, as I can see. But I'd have to go with that risk and roll. It, you know, that was that was quite an extraordinary performance last time out. Risk and roll, uh, ridden by Tabitha Worsley, is the five to one shot there for Andy Ed. It's a no bet from me uh, in this one, George. But there's definitely uh, a horse with the view to the future in here, I want to keep a close eye on that is the big breakaway who's back on the track and reverting to hurdles. Of course, was last seen being beaten a different postcode by Shantry House at Sandown back in, back in the autumn. He's in a handicap hurdle here off one, four, four. Um, you know, you could think on some of his old chase form, he's incredibly well thrown in. I just wonder whether this is a tune up for another day. I've actually got him in my boring people like me, George, you know, instead of like enjoying themselves in the evening, they sit there writing shortlists for the ultimate handicap chase at the Chatter Festival. <laughs> he, he's very much one on the shortlist at the moment. He's apparently choked and had all sorts of issues after that Sandline run. He's had the wind operation. Uh, he's plummeted down the, the handicap mark, you know, his chase marks down to 147 now. If you look at some of his chase form, you know, beating what, two and a half lakes by Shamblu at Kempton, that's smashing form. Uh, you know, he bolted up that day at Cheltenham in that novice chase by 10 lengths. He's got some very good back form. I just wonder if this is a tune-up for bigger targets ahead. You know, the Tizar team, uh, relatively, compared to this time kind of last year, are in much better form. And as I said, this horse, third at the Cheltenham Festival by Monkfish. He's got a lot of back class and um, reverts to hurdles today. Uh, I wonder if Connections have just looked at it playing the long game, thought, look, if we can use this to protect his chase mark, get him spot on. And I said very much, he is one in mind. I've got with it at three miles at Cheltenham in a, in a handicap. It could be the type of race for him because he's he's clearly not up to the, the grade one standard as, mm. as a chase, or at least recent evidence would suggest that. So, uh, yeah, one for your notebooks. If he kind of runs a, an encouraging race in third, uh, I'll be very much keeping my eyes on trainer comments in the aftermath. If the words, <laughs> the words Ultima are involved, then, um, yeah, I'm going to be firing up my uh, betting accounts to get stuck in on that on that front. <laughs> Lovely one to watch there, the big breakaway, possibly with a view to the festival in a month or so's time for Ed. Given it was a no-bet race for you, Ed, we'll stick with you for the third. It is the Denman Chase, the grade two, and Klanders Oboe is the even money favourite ahead of Rolpa Guy, who, of course, won carrying a mammoth weight last time out. Uh, Imperial Aura uh, is seven to one. Eldorado Allen, a horse I think you put up a couple of times, Ed, but in different mm. kind of company to this, uh, 12 to one. And uh, Darasha Counter, 33s. 
I'm going to go with Alderado Allen here, George. I'm a Ooh. I'm a loyal servant only because again, this is a race giving me all sorts of problems. Uh, I mean, Clander Zobo. If you take Royal Pagai out of it to start with, Clander Zobo's got stacks in hand on official figures, but then he had stacks in hand on official figures in this race 12 months ago and he got mugged by his lesser light stable mate, uh, Secret Investor, didn't he? Mm. Um, where you could see uh, it, there's a lot of head scratcher going on afterwards. And with the aforementioned Nichols form, I'm not going to go harp on about that again. You've got Royal Pagai who. Uh, he's becoming like Bristol Demise, becoming like the new Haydock Demise, isn't he, really? If, if, you, if, you, if you take him away from Haydock and Mud, I put him on good to soft, good in places uh, here at Newbury. Is he going to be as effective? Not quite so sure. Purial Aura's recent form figures, you know, represent an episode of Countdown. He's clearly on the comeback trail. You couldn't you could, you could back him with any kind of confidence. Uh, the Russia counters making it back to the race course. He's got, you know, 20 pounds to find, uh, and then, which leaves you. Valderado Allen, who officially rated 155 as a barometer of how far off he is, isn't a great deal. And I actually think uh, he ran pretty well at Kempton last time out. Two and a half miles around Kempton was very much in Mr. Fisher's kind of ballpark. And I thought he showed up well for a long way there. Uh, again, the quote for Joe Tizard appears to be they're going to have a crack at this before spinning the Ryanair. Uh, kind of stiff two and a half. Well, I actually think he'll excel for going over three miles. He, he was running really good race in the Peterborough chase. If you go back two starts ago, he made an absolute horlicks of the last fence coming down the back straight. He was always playing catch up. To his credit, absolutely motored home on that occasion. I, 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 I think he's a double figure price in a load in a in a race where there's question marks about all of them for one reason or another. And I, I just think, yeah, he's not got masses to find. I actually think he will excel for this trip. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, on balance, at the price, I, I would take on the couple at the top of the market for the Nichols form and the ground potentially too quick for Orpa Guy and go with Alderado Allen. Wordle, Ed. Not Countdown. You're showing your age by saying Countdown. Oh, you say Wordle now. I've, That's the I've, way to... I've, yeah, I've got into Word, yeah, Wordle, Lingo, all these things. Yeah, they're time-consuming, aren't they? But yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Until absolutely. You, until you lose your streak because they put an American word up there. Absolute shambles. Oh, um, yeah. Although I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think you can get away with putting UPFP, which is the... Yeah. Imperial aura form uh, resembling a word game uh, of sorts. Uh, Eldorado Allen, 12 to 1 there for Ed's uh, best price as it stands at the moment in the five runner race. Would you, would you back uh, Eldorado Allen each way or would it be a win only bet at the double, double figure price? I, 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 yeah, small win only bet personally. And uh, I wouldn't, on a on a wider point, I think, yeah, Aloha will win the Ryanair doing handstands, but I wouldn't be shocked if he if he finished in the places there. Right? I think stiff two and a half at Chartham, a strongly run race will probably see his stamina come into play. But uh, again, I, I, I always. Stick to trainer quotes after races. I always find more invaluable than when trainers have gone away and sat down with connections and come out with some kind of PR front in front of camera. And Joe Tizar was very much saying that next year we'll be looking at staying trips with him. And I think they're probably testing the water a little bit here early with a view to next season and probably going for some of those those big galloping tests. So yeah, no, yeah, small win back for me just because I think this race could it was carnage in it last year and it could be again. El Dorado Allen uh, is 33 to 1 for the Ryanair as it stands at the moment. Best price, uh, possibly one with a good performance, will shorten up uh, after the weekend. Uh, wouldn't necessarily have to win for that to happen either, you wouldn't think. Uh, Andy, how do you see this? Yeah, I, th- I think Ed's referring to the shock of um, was it Secret Investor winning it last year. Um, yeah. It's got that kind of feel about it this year as well. Through all the reasons that Ed's um, pointed out, you almost don't need two of us. Um, on the show to, to talk well, about we need, we need like you this. Andy we need you yeah. because they're, they're, we're both looking at it from the same yeah. way we, we we all know the Nichols horses are not far in at the moment I, I think if anything you almost need Brave Man's game as a as a, kind of like a sacrificial lamb or foot soldier whichever way you want to look at it mm. to give you the kind of confidence of backing Clanders about even money if the first one bolts up then you think well okay 
you know, even money, fair enough. But there's like doing a podcast now, you know, on a, on a Thursday afternoon, you, you just can't put that horse up with any any great degree of confidence. We know he's the best horse in the race, mm. and he's the most likely to handle the conditions because Raw Guy, as Ed's already said, needs soft or heavy ground, doesn't need to be his best. And Haydock, he's got his flat track, but he hasn't got Haydock, and he hasn't got um, um, anything like soft ground. It's probably going to be more good come Saturday. Look at the weather forecast; they've got no real appreciable rain at all. So he's a difficult one to tip at this stage as well, or a guy. Um, Imperial Order, how, how could you back him off the, off the back of all those um, pulled-ups and unseats and all, all the stuff that's gone on with him? So, look, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed likes Ed, Eldorado Allen. I think there's good sense behind that, particularly at 12-1. to 1. I think he's one of those ones you roll the dice with and think, well, I'll take a bit of a punt. You only need the... Everything to go what wrong with what we said about the others, and and mm. the jack will come up here because the Russia County can't win on all, on all known form. And um, if he does stay, the Tribby might even prove for it. So mm. you know, it's twelve to one. I think he'll be a lot sure on Saturday because a lot of people will look at this race exactly and evaluate it like me and Ed have. And he's the, he's the process elimination horse. Yeah. If you're just going to say right, I'm going I'm going to have a dart at one at a price. He's got bundles of class. He's a good traveller. You know, he's a proper grade two, grade one horse. He's running a lot of grade one races. And he'll, he'll keep up with them up to, say, like the first turn for him. And then if he, if he fancies it and all the others, you know, don't run up to expectations, then he, he, could, just, um, he could just sneak it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to steal Ed's thunder. He's already mentioned it, but um, it, it's a good strategy to have that. Take that 12 to 1 about Eldorado Allen. Nice. Uh, Eldorado Allen, the one for both Andy and for Ed in the Denman chase. Another upset possibly on the books. Uh, the um, Game Spirit chase now, the uh, two-mile um, chase with another five-runner field. Uh, trappy, trappier affair this, certainly in terms of the prices as they stand at the moment with So Royale and Hitman, both the 11-4 to favourites. Uh, with Funambul Savola seven to two, editor de Gitt and Sky Pirate both six to one. Mm. Andy, yeah, a little bit more positivity here. Um, as a, as a, a least a potential around a, a bet here, and a little bit more of a confident bet. Um, obviously, we've got another uh, Pondicles training mate with uh, with Hitman, um, quality horse. You know, cracking run in the in the the Tingle <laughs> Crow beyond Grenadine. Likes it here at Newbury. He's won here before. Good, solid jumper. But again, you need to watch the other two to see how they get on before you even, even begin to think, think about backing him confidently. Um, I do like Finn and Bill Savala as a whole. I think he's very tough. He's got a great attitude. He needed all of his tenaciousness to win last time out at Donny. Um, I, like I say, I like the way he got his head down and, and battled on to win that day in a, in a strongly run race. Um, and he also has obviously got you know good, solid C and D form here. I think they're going to go a good lick in this race. Um, we've got Editor de Guy in, in here, and he only knows one way of running. And it could just set it up for a Finnebill Savala or a Sky Pirate. And I think it's six to one. Sky Pirate here is this is probably one of the only few races he, he, he's got potential of winning this season because he's one of those Twilight horses and he's 157. He's going to struggle in a race like the Grand Annual, which he won last year. Um, and he's just been slightly. D- you know, not quite good enough to win the, the, the grade ones that Connections are fully entitled to have a crack at this season. He's run really well. You know, it was impossible to give the weight away to Braceska last time out. Good run at, at uh, Kempton behind Shishkin the time before. I think this is his ground and this is track and this is the way the race is going to pan out. 
um, could really suit him here. I certainly think he's the value better six to one. There's no doubt. I think that's undeniable. I don't know what Ed thinks, but I'd make him a lot shorter based on his ability and with everything in his favour. Sky Pirate, the one there for Andy at six to one. Six to one best price is with our sponsors, 888 Sports. Uh, Ed, how do you see it? Yeah, I'd agree a lot of what Andy's saying there. Probably not so much conviction with Sky Pirate as in, but it, it, to make him the outsider of the field feels a bit wrong. Uh, this is my kind of overall feeling of this. He, he's running races where he's faced impossible tasks, uh, like Shishkin and all that. And as Andy says, off 157, he is in handicapping no man's land. I, I don't know if I saw a quote the other day from uh, John Joe Papp saying they might look at one of the hurdles at the Channel Festival as a target to try and exploit a lower hurdle rating because he's kind of stuck. Uh, where he is now at the moment, isn't he? So, um, yeah, at, at the prices, I'd probably go with Sky Pirate. I've got feeling feels so real, a wonderful horse, but 10 years young, there's got to be some younger, fresher legs here. I, the Nichols team were firing. I'd be all over hit, man. He's unexposed. He's definitely on the way up. Uh, you know, he ran well at Sandown. Of course, he ran really well in the Holden Gold Cup by my friend uh, Eldorado Allen as well. And uh, I, I think, you know, he's unexposed, likely race chaser, should have a lot more to offer. But with the the stable format does put me off. So, yeah, I'm, I've am i not had a bet in the race, but uh, Sky Pirates, the outsider of the field, does feel just a bit wrong somehow. And, uh, yeah, I might throw a couple of quid at him because he's clearly got the class to travel into this. And as Andy says, they go off a mad gallop that just suits him down to the ground. He'll just, Nick Schofield will sit quietly, race in the ambulance and then try and pick them off. And so, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'd probably on balance be with Sky Pirate. Sky Pirate, six to one um, for both the guys here agreeing with each other a lot which is good to see i'm sure there'll be some disagreements coming up soon maybe starting in the next uh the 335 where it's the handicap hurdle with broomfield bug the five to one favorite ahead of uh, jpr one at six to one soaring glory seven to one nappers hill 15 to two boot hill 10 to one chatoile 11 to one tritonic 12s i like to move at 12s 14 run as it stands at the moment a couple of firms going a fifth of five i'm sure on the day there might even be six places out there Andy, how do you see the value at this current stage? Yeah, I hope there is going to be um, six places on Saturday. I think you're probably right, George. There probably will be. But five is certainly good enough for the horse that I like. Um, I like the top one here, um, Soil and Glory. Um, I think this is a it's a good race, but it, it, it's certainly no, no stronger than it was last year. Probably even weaker, I think, on balance. Uh, certainly from my perspective, anyway. And I, I love the way he got the job done that day. He come there cruising and you know, he he brushed aside a, a good feeling. There's buzz in there, and um, fifty ball. Obviously, he, he rear poses, but there was good horses all the way further down the line. I can't remember them all, but I guard your dreams is in it. He was seventh or eighth. Really good renewal. Um, and other than Broomfield, Bergen, and Jotal, uh, to a smaller degree, JPL one. You've got a similar kind of setup um, to what what's likely to happen. I think, I think they're bound to go a good pace. There's quite a few front runners in here, and it, I, th- I think it'll really suit this lad. I think he likes a big field where he can cruise away and come down. I and mean, the, the race the, the other day when it, there was only four runners on soft ground just didn't suit him. He was always going to struggle in a race like that when they crawled. Um, but he ran really well in the Christmas hurdle. He was actually more prominent than normal. I think they rode him a little bit too more too aggressive than he's normally used to on ground than he didn't like, but he still ran well. And if you put the two races up together as well, which I've done actually this morning, just to remind myself how good that Christmas hurdle was, if you put the Soul Wing Glory alongside Broomfield Burger won the first race, there's got to be about 20 length, dif- length difference between the the Christmas hurdle and, and, and the novice hurdle. When they come to like the last, I know the other one sprinted on the run. He's, mm. kind of, he's made a little bit more ground upon the running because the others are tiring. But 
they just won at a totally different pace to Broomfieldberg. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't quite get the disparity between the two. One's nine to two, and the other one's seven to one. I, I do think Soaring Glory is massive, a, a huge, a huge price. I don't like JPR one. Um, I, I don't mind him as a horse, but he's done absolutely nothing on the numbers. I think he's fastest speed figure we've got. He's a forty-five. He's just going to be. This is a real baptism of fire for him. He's mm. going to go from running in slowly run novice hurdles to all of a sudden go flat out in a in a proper big field handicap. I think six to one is is is, is a mental price for him. Um, you can make case out for Napazil, obviously, if the if the yard comes back. He, he's you know he ran well in the kennel gate beyond John Bond that represents that good form line. Now, Colonel Mustard has um, boosted that form at that race of the day in Dublin, so I can certainly make a case out for him on on ground that he'll like. But I keep coming back to Soaring Glory. I just keep, every time I look at this race, he's top of the numbers, course and distance winner, run the race last year, got his ground, going to get a strongly run race, and you can bet him seven to one five places. So mm. I'm not I'm not even going to try and overcomplicate this race. <laughs> Easy. Soaring Glory, seven to one, the one for Andy in this one, Ed. I see what Andy's saying. The problem is he's a stone higher. And I just wonder whether he's vulnerable to some more unexposed progressive types coming through. Uh, you uh, you did win it off one three three last year, off one four seven. So clearly a hike in the weights. But yeah, uh, Andy's right in the sense that he's ticking a lot of the boxes in terms of trip, track and ground, etc. I'm I'm I want to get my long shot goggles on here, George, and find something. But I'm nice. actually, I'm, I'm going to change my Twitter handle to um, favourite underscore Ted. I think after today, <laughs> so I'm, I'm with Broomfield Burke here. I, I just this horse has got to be better than one three four. I remember we vividly we had a good conversation about this horse uh, and the Christmas show. Uh, and myself and Andy were talking about how he got turned over at Newbury when odds on, uh, where he was far too keen and pulled the jockey's arms out for for a mile. He then went to uh, Cheltenham's December meeting where he travelled all over the field, but then emptied coming up the Cheltenham Hill. Again, he was far too free, far too keen. Then he went to Kempton's absolute Mickey Mouse race uh, at Kempton's Christmas meeting. And it was the first time I thought, well, here we go again. His head's going to go in the air. For whatever reason, he just dropped the bit and he settled and he finished his race off. Admittedly, it was not the strongest of races, but the way in which he went through that race, he, for the first time, he raced like a proper horse. It may just be he's maturing and as he's getting older, he's just starting to learn to race properly. And I just love the way he travels. He's, he's got to be, He's nothing's going to be coming better coming to two out. He's got to tank into this race by default, I, I feel. And I just get a feeling he's better than one, three, four. I mean, the form of his actual wins, as I said, they haven't worked out too badly, albeit at a lower level. You know, as I say, he was touched off by a uh, lively citizen in Champions December meeting. That horse has come out one again since. I mean, he absolutely thumped uh, Black Poppy without him to come off the bridle. That horse has come out to win against it. So, yes, it's, it's at a lower level, but the form does have some substance to it. And mm. off one, three, four, Henson team on fire. I just think he will tank himself into the race. I mean, he's five to one. I, there's an argument to back him each way here. I'll be shocked. I mean, what's there, 14 runners? If he can't finish in the top third of this field off one, three, four, I would be gobsmacked, to be honest with you. I think he'll jump, he'll cruise, he'll travel. How much he finds off the bridle in the last furlong will be totally dependent on what he, how well he settles in the first half mile. That would be it. If, if he can, Nico, and get him switched off at the back of the field, I think he's going to murder this lot, personally. I think he'll, I think he'll bolt up. Andy, I think we've broken yeah. him. I think I think we've got him. Ed tipping up a favourite each oh way God. is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Absolutely love Collect, it. Collect, collectors hashtag, hashtag, yeah. hashtag, hashtag Quigley gone at the game. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, he's he, he's the he's the obvious danger for me as well. I, I 
I did talk with the idea of um, almost copying out under the same sort of um, theory, but I just think the two the two of them are too far apart for me. Um, yeah. I think you know I still think seven to one represents good each way value for for soaring glory. And similar to Ed, I can't I can't envision soaring glory not finishing the first five because the way he goes through his races, he's bound to come there two out. You know, sauntering up to them, and it's just whether he finds one this year, maybe too good. But he's the kind of horse I like to back each way under the same sort of theory. Then Broomfield Berg's a similar kind of bet, isn't it? Five to one, five places. Yeah. I think I we've got it covered between us, basically. I smell a reverse forecast coming on here. Uh, <laughs> Broomfield Berg, uh, five to one best price as it stands at the moment. Uh, in the 335. Um, no prices, sadly, in the 410. We have got some prices in the last, um, but in the 410, the, the novice hurdle here, uh, nothing uh, in terms of prices, but we can still have a quick look at it. Um, Ed, anything catching your eye there to look out for when prices do come out, hopefully fairly shortly? Oh, absolutely. King Ottokar uh, on his first start mm. for Nicky Henderson, just was a you know a very good flat horse with Charlie Fellows. Um, the comments were, we wait for some soft ground with him. That was the quote I saw from Dickie Henderson. Well, I don't think they're going to get it, but it may just be a case of they need to <laughs> run him at some point. Otherwise, he'll, he'll never re- he won't reappear until about next November. So, uh, look, yeah, uh, no prices, no bet, but definitely Kigotikar. I think he he could be the kind of one that looks to Atri, uh, maybe, or some, a fancy target maybe later on in the spring if they find a bit of juice. But uh, Kigotikar, very classy performer on the flat. Definitely one to keep in your notebooks. Interesting if, uh, if Nicky has another two-mile uh, novice hurdler that comes out and wins by 20 lengths on Saturday. Um, Andy? Yeah, one for Dirty Harry fancy. I think um, I'll make my day with um, uh, from the Gary Moore team. And Steve Packham had a tremendous weekend, didn't he, last week with uh, mm. Should Have One More and, and Goshen. And um, the vibes are that he might have another one here with uh, Make My Day. Apparently, he's been targeted at this race specifically uh, and has been going really well. And so I'm going to follow the vibes with um, Make My Day. Make my day one there for Gary Moore and his team. Uh, those are the two to look out for, according to the guys. And we'll get on to the final race on the card. It is the bumper and authorised speed. Another Gary Moore horse who was so impressive last time is the 9-2 favourite at these early stages. I reckon that 9-2 might not last too long. Uh, Hullenbach, 13-2. Time for a fortune, 13-2. Philanderer and Liberty Hunter, both 15-2. 8-1. Top Dog and Mamoon Star, 11-1. Bar. Andy? Yeah, I do pay quite attention to bumper races as well because when we do get a good number race, they, they stand out and by and large, you know, the form usually stacks st- 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 up well with the likes of, you know, Fasel Vega. Um, I put up a bumper horse the other day. Warren's had done a good time first time at Gallopade who, who followed up again at, at Taunton. So it does work every now and again. Uh, and the two that um, I like based on the numbers are um, Authorised Speed, who you just mentioned, and uh, Philandera from the uh, Hugh Morrison stuff. I always like um, backing Hugh Morrison horses and bumpers, predominantly because he's more, you know, he's a um, flat trainer by trade, um, but he, he dips his hand into the national sphere every now and again. I think he runs in the same colours as Marble. Was it Marble or mm. something? I can't remember now. Who won several big races further down the line. Um, can't remember his name now. It's definitely Marble something. Um, and he's got a lovely horse called Our Jester, who's been um, catching the eye so far this season. But I do think this Philander is in and amongst that kind of level. Um, I love the way he travelled at Warwick. Um, he won in a very good time for the grade. He's, his circuit time was very good. And I just really liked him 
Um, got lots of physical size and scope. So I think he's a player. And couldn't put you off all the right speed. C and D winner. That was a good race. Clifton Bridge of Alan Kings had won well uh, in a fast time at Exeter. Was absolutely battered back in third. Um, I think connections to that were literally speechless. Um, the, the McNeil family. Um, to get brushed aside so readily by Gary Moore's charge. I think I agree with you, George, will be a good deal shorter than 92 come Saturday. If I could sort of bet now, I'd be all over the 92 authorised speed with a healthy little saver on um, Philander at 7-1. to Authorised speed, yeah, 92, Philander 7-1, to one, the two for Andy. Uh, Ed, uh, I think normally you say you're not... Yeah, uh, bumpers aren't for you, but having just heard you tip up a five to one shot five each way, then, then who knows? <laughs> who knows? No, ten I'm, points I'm, to five. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, City this one out. That, the horse Andy might be referring to might have been Marble Arch. I don't know. Marble if was, Arch. That's was, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but um, no, I'm uh, yeah happily sit out a bumper. Leave that. That's very much in uh, Andy's skill set. <laughs> Well, that brings us to a close of our preview. Uh, we also had a look back with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity at the weekend's racing over at Leopardstown last weekend. So we've had a look at the Kingmaker at Warwick and we've gone through the card at Newbury. We do spoil you, but thank you very much to Ed Quigley and to Andy Holding for joining me today. Thank you to 888 Sport for sponsoring the podcast and the video and to their ambassador Barry Garrity for joining us. You can find this preview, plenty of others as well, on our YouTube channel. Do go and check that out. Loads of content uh, going up on there, including Racing Weekly every week with Rishi Passad and Sam Turner. Some cracking episodes out there already in that. And you can find those and this on any podcast platform as well. Please ensure that you enjoy the racing. Hopefully a couple of winners in there as well. Certainly some value. Uh, and as ever, do ensure that you are gambling responsibly.